Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's edition of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. Dear JCPS is a district-focused stakeholder advocacy group that demands accountability and transparency from JCPS through a lens of equity. Save Our Schools Kentucky is a statewide advocacy group that seeks to expose and prevent attempts to privatize our public schools, including charter schools and everything else from the ALEC playbook. The following is part of WFMP's public affairs educational programming. The views expressed are those of the speakers and not the station. If you would like to share your views, you may email us at wfmp.louisville at gmail.com. Hello and welcome to the May 5th, 2022 episode of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. This is your host, Gay Adelman. I'm going to play for you segments from two different Facebook Live videos that I've done. If you would like to view these videos in their entirety, my Facebook account is Joe Smedley. That's J-O-E-S-M-E-D-L-E-Y. And I've had to create a couple of alternative Facebook accounts because of the number of times that my main account has been suspended. Um, I attribute a lot of this to the truth-telling that I've been doing on my Facebook page and the groups or individuals who want the truth to remain concealed continue to report me. My posts tend to be denouncing Nazis and white supremacists and for some reason that's hate speech and bullying. Um, but those who are actually speaking violently and hatefully towards marginalized groups um, when I report them, nothing happens. But my point is that these groups have a lot of money and budget to stalk and harass those of us that are just simply making posts on our Facebook pages that people can do their own research and see for themselves. But if they are successful in getting my account suspended and me being unable to post to the 2,600 people that are uh, friends on my page, then they have successfully managed to shut down a lot of our work, a lot of our grassroots work. So this is part of the structural racism and the uh, underhanded ways in which the bully administration treats true stakeholders who are simply trying to protect our children and protect our tax dollars from uh, unethical, unscrupulous privatizers, outsiders, and grifters. So the first segment I'm going to play for you is from yesterday, May 4th. It talks about the candidates that are running in the May 17th primary and their ties to dark money. Some of the Democrats are tied to dark money and we want to make sure that we protect seats from people who, regardless of party, Republican or Democrat, who have not, uh, whose actions don't match their words or who um, play dumb and pretend to not understand what's happening to our schools and still uh, facilitate a lot of these behind the scenes backroom deals and try to make everybody happy. And that's not possible. <laughs> So, um, and it's not necessary. These outsiders have no need to be made happy. Why we kowtow and cater to people with uh, outsized money and budgets instead of the people who actually pay the bills and uh, are 
put their children in the system get shut out. The second video that I'm going to play for you is one that I made a couple of weeks ago now. Um, just sounding the alarm about everything. More information can be found at alleyesonkentucky.org. I apologize for the wind noise in the background of this first clip and the sound of my squeaky styrofoam cooler in the second clip. Don't adjust your dial. I want to talk about the May 17th primary coming up in less than two weeks and there are some Democrats that we have been uh, considering our allies and our friends um, but they really haven't done the work and in fact instead of taking a stand against predators uh, they quote unquote did their jobs and uh, facilitated a lot of what came out of Frankfurt over the last several years and finally finished uh, passing the bulk of it, the, the worst pieces of it, this past April. And the governor vetoed a lot of it, but they overrode the vetoes. So um, we need to elect candidates who, in the primary, will uh, continue to represent the interests of the people. such as um, Sarah Stalker, who's running against Jonathan Lowe, and Jonathan Lowe is a district bureaucrat. I met when I was having uh, challenges with Donna Hargens, but then everything that he did to quote-unquote try to help me, we, um, we got nowhere with, and um, he even acted like we were doing something that would get him in trouble and so he said to me it was detrimental to his career to be seen with me he chewed me out in Frankfurt one time because uh, he said I was trying to get his boss fired and I pulled him into an empty committee room across the hall from where we, he was yelling at me so he could yell at me some more and I corrected him and said I wasn't trying to get his boss fired I was encouraging her to step down because David Jones as you all know Push through her contract renewal in a shady, surreal sort of way. And I document all of this on our website at alleyesonkentucky.org. So uh, these are facts that people just need to have it put in front of them in a timeline and, you know, people's pictures next to each other so you can see that David Jones Sr. was. Um, single largest donor to uh, the Republican Party candidates that took over the House uh, years ago. And now we have a super, super majority Republican House and Senate that does whatever they want. And so David Jones Sr., the founder of Humana, co-founder of Humana, was uh, largely responsible for that. And Mitch McConnell even acknowledged David Jones Sr. Uh, in 2019 after his passing. Uh, acknowledged uh, that he, with, without exaggeration, he said, uh, David Jones Sr. was the single largest uh, influence, uh, 
and mentor to him, I believe. Something donated a lot of money to PACs that Mitch McConnell was able to then um, benefit from and recruit candidates that would do this, pass this legislation, and it's all tied to David Jones and Scala and GLI, which is the business chamber, Greater Louisville, Inc., and um, again, all eyes on Kentucky.org, I document and link to evidence of the things that we're saying, and Morgan McGarvey helped make David Jones' vision a reality. He made it better than it would have been if he'd have left it alone, uh, but not once did he ever call it out, not once did he ever uh, point to David Jones and say, we don't want these policies in our district. He works behind the scenes Brent McKim, and all of this is documented, and then it just continued with vouchers, and then this last legislative session, we had Senate Bill 1, which had um, the site-based decision-making council being uh, neutered, as well as limiting how often the JCPS board in particular can meet, as well as the light version of the anti-CRT, um, and it was just a really bad bill with lots of uh, things that we didn't want all crammed into one. And Morgan McGarvey is running against Madison Scott for the Democratic uh, nomination to the U.S. Congress to take John Yarman's seat. So that is one race that uh, we don't want Morgan to win the primary. We want Attica to win the primary because Attica will push back and has been pushing back and has been speaking truth to power and can speak. Uh, she is a black female, so she can speak to the issues that impact the black community and women. And Morgan can do neither of these things. And uh, John Yarmouth even endorsed Morgan Harvey and he watched the Louisville Forum. Um, I cut out a snippet that's about five minutes long of all kinds of uh, racist rhetoric being used. So it's certainly not aggressive, all right? It's certainly not recognizing that there is a, a need for representation uh, and that Attica could easily, with John's endorsement and Morgan's support, Attica could easily win the primary and uh, and the general. This is, it's, Louisville is the, is, the, is the district that it represents, so of course we're going to turn out and vote blue. So whoever wins the primary will win the general on that particular race. Uh, we also have a local mayor race that people need to be paying attention to. Uh, Craig Greenberg is the favored Democrat, and nothing Democrat about him other than he's more Mayor fisher -y than Mayor Fisher. And um, we need Shamika Parrish Wright and her lived experiences that she also can speak to that um, Craig Greenberg cannot. Uh, and there's the whole Quintez Brown, uh, how it all ties into Quintez Brown, how the endorsement of Morgan uh, over Attica ties into Breonna Taylor. Um, I heard last night that, um, that Breonna's mother did not endorse John Yarmouth. So hopefully the truth will come out about that because that's one of the justifications that Yarmouth used as to why he backed Morgan instead of Attica when if he could just stay out of the primary 
and let the voters say who they really want because they'll sh if we show up for them in May we'll show up for them again in December and instead he put his big white male thumb on the scale and uh, is trying to he thinks that the people that are in the seat in the seat now white men uh, Democratic white men are entitled to keeping the seat and that's why he's using his power and his influence so uh, I find that ironic because he accused uh, Carla Wallace of sounding like Attica was entitled to the seat when uh, she's no more entitled to the seat than uh, Biden's picks for vice president as well as for the uh, latest Supreme Court justice. Uh, and again, I go back to that's the point. There are a lot of people who benefit from structural racism. And Morgan McGarvey and John Yarmouth apparently don't see that that also applies to them. And for John to use the kind of language that you would expect coming out of the GOP to gaslight us. And so I sent him a text message yesterday. Um, uh, it's pretty lengthy and pretty direct and pretty blunt. But again, I begged him to please reconsider his endorsement and endorse Attica instead. So more people need to be aware of the ties that Morgan McGarvey has to Scala and David Jones and GLI and the role that he played in Senate Bill 250 in 2019 as well as Senate Bill 1 in 2022. But uh, I really think that the greatest threat for May 17th are about six or seven Dems Also, Dr. Polio, that are aware, have been made aware repeatedly that these uh, groups like Scala have been overplaying their hand and travesty because we are the taxpayers, we are the parents. And um, I think there needs to be some people held accountable, but let's focus on May 17th because that's less than two weeks away and that's something we can do right away. Um, if anyone is still watching, thank you for staying all the way to the end. Uh, of this of this video, uh, I will be looking for volunteers to help me knock on doors May 10th through 16th. I will have maps, I will have scripts, I will have walk pieces, and uh, we're going to be focusing on a list of candidates, not just a particular candidate, but a slate of candidates that are our progressive alternatives to the Dark Money Dems. and sent us cease and desist letters and played hardball against us for simply uh, trying to protect, trying to stop what is happening right now from happening. And uh, every time we tried, they came for us instead of uh, pointing fingers at the predators and causing the harm. All right, everybody. Uh, if you're interested in uh, helping knock on doors May 10th through 16th, please let me know, uh, especially if you want to go in your own neighborhood. I would, I would love to help you um, get these materials ready to knock on 
doors in your own neighborhood and let your, let your neighbors know what's going on and how these people have been uh, allowing uh, the charter school bill to pass and Senate Bill 1 to pass and then even uh, overrode the veto on the teachers raises. Uh, Governor Bashir vetoed the uh, budget uh, line item piece that would have prevented the teachers from getting raises. So they voted for their own raises but not teachers. And teachers will probably get a raise. It may not be the whole 8% like they gave to all the other state employees but um, it needed to come out of the state coffers and not our local district coffers. So now in order for these teachers to get raises, we'll probably have to raise taxes again. And we know that um, taxpayers are not going to let that happen. We still don't know the outcome of the, the first case. Uh, so anyway, um, we've got to keep these people from holding on to these seats and making matters worse because if you want more of what's happening right now, keep voting for status quo, keep voting for these uh, mediocre white men in particular uh, who, they'll be okay either way and they just want to be, a, they just want to be friendly with whoever is going to be ruling the world because there's, they think there's a seat for them at that table. And I believe that's what has happened with people at the district level who were instrumental in bringing in the charter school vouchers and the voucher vultures. Um, I think they just saw that as a natural part of their job. But again, they shouldn't be running for office if they don't realize that it's predatory and that their job as an elected official would be to stop it and reverse it. So Go watch those videos. I'll try to post some links in the comments. And if you made it all the way through to the end of the video, put a smiley face with sunglasses in the chat. All right. Thank you. Bye. You are listening to Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS on Forward Radio 106.5 FM. Please make a donation to Forward Radio at forwardradio.org. The second video that I'm going to play for you is one that I made a couple of weeks ago now. Um, just sounding the alarm about everything that uh, is coming to a head right now and uh, what we need to do about it. And so uh, we will be looking for volunteers. And you can read more about any of the things that you have heard on today's program at alleyesonkentucky.org. Alleyesonkentucky.org is a place where we have been aggregating the links to the evidence of the claims that we are making that connect the dots to uh, Mitch McConnell, David Jones Sr., David Jones Jr., Morgan McGarvey, Jonathan Lowe, Mike O'Connell and more. Visit our website to see the links documenting the ties these lawmakers have, these candidates have to dark money and also see the progressive alternatives that have proven track records in 
stopping the privatizer agenda, which the others do not have. And in fact, they've uh, contributed to making it happen. Hey, I've been recording um, an audio file. So I started telling a little bit of a story and I've got about 28 minutes on the audio. Where I'm telling the history, the untold story of Breonna Taylor, okay? Um, I'm gonna fact check some things before I publish it, but I want to tell you the things that aren't being said publicly. Um, and just point out to people across this country that uh, we still don't have justice for Brianna. And we are the home of Mitch McConnell, who is very powerful. And I believe that the dark money influence that he has over this city and state um, is responsible for why we still don't have justice for Brianna. Every single officer and every single judge and every single paper pusher uh, and decision maker and trainer and chief that um, was involved in that horrific night and incident has not been held accountable. Nobody has held, been held accountable. And so um, we've got Daniel Cameron as our attorney general, who was um, clearly loved, is clearly loved by Mitch McConnell. Um, something doesn't smell right down here in Kentucky and we need eyes on this. We need all eyes on Kentucky. So I also have witnessed some things that I think that if you knew what I knew and you saw what I saw and you heard what I heard and you had the dots connected the way they've been connected for me, we're gonna want some changes around here. And we have some opportunities to make some changes around here, starting with the primary, the May 17th Kentucky primary. If you are a registered Democrat or a registered Republican, you vote in the primaries and you choose the best Republicans and the best Democrats from your party to represent in the general, okay? So we've got some really important primary races that we need to be paying attention to. Um, we have some Democrats that are, that are posing as public education allies. They're working in our school system. They're working in our uh, superintendent's office. They pretend to be on our side and they, and then they go and do the things that are the opposite of what we want them to do. And I'm going to, again, I'm going to name some names because some of them are running for office. Some of them are trying to get a seat so that they can continue to have power over the decisions that are made that come out of Frankfurt. And we all know about Alec. We all know, I hope we know. If not, you can Google them. I'm not going to spend any time on them because there's plenty of public information. American Legislative Exchange Council is what Alec stands for. 
We have our own version of ALEC right here in Louisville, Kentucky. So ALEC is funded by the Koch brothers. They've been doing what they're doing for probably nearly 50 years. One of the original Koch brothers is already dead, um, but they still have more money than, than God and for some reason think it's more fun to use it to destroy this planet than it is to, to feed the people and liberate, keep us free. The Koch brothers have an organization called American Legislative Exchange Council that raises and spends a lot of money through PACs, political action committees, to get their favorite candidates into office and also then to get canned legislation that their lawyers write passed. It's a nice uh, hand-in-glove turnkey operation. It's a it's organized crime is what it is, okay? Let's call a spade a spade. Why are we not, why are these people not taking up our jail cells instead of people who have a harmless plant that helps them with their PTSD? I mean, come on now. And um, the thing is, it's mostly the Republicans here in Kentucky that have affiliated themselves with ALEC and we have a 75% to 80%, maybe even more, I don't know, uh, GOP majority so they just did everything they wanted to do to us this past session um, and they lied and cheated and stole in order to a get their people elected because it's Mitch McConnell's dark money and B to get their bills passed because we stood up there and brought them data and facts and the people came the people came even in a pandemic the people came we came and they still despite the fact that no one ever testified in favor of their bills, all of us that showed up from however far away testified against it, they still passed it and ignored us or responded to us with more of the same lies, rhetoric, and propaganda. We have our own Putin right here in the United States. It's Donald Trump. Donald Trump wants to be Putin, man, and this Kentucky GOP and Mitch McConnell are letting it happen. I'm not even going to say they're making it happen because some may, some may not. That's the evidence piece that we don't always have, but they're not stopping it. But when you see it, you see it and you can't unsee it. And once you see it, you have to help me fix it. Okay. And we're going to fix it by electing the right people and keeping predators out but I think we I think we've solved the problem and in fact it's going to be one of those things like of course gay that's dumb everybody knows that but if everybody knew it why aren't we arresting these people why aren't they in jail why are we letting them continue to cheat lie cheat and steal to change the laws and then have the laws work to pour money into their pockets that's exactly what they're doing and it's our tax dollars I'm offended I am I am a what's it called when you can sue uh, I have standing. I have standing and so do you. Anyone who lives in Jefferson County, anyone who pays taxes, and I think that even might mean sales taxes, you know, any of the taxes that go to fund our schools. And golly gee, actually, since the money is all pooled, I'm not a lawyer, but since the money is all pooled into the general fund and then redistributed it uh, to the poorer schools, so we end up paying more of our taxes in Jefferson County. Um, 
but since those funds are kind of commingled with every other county in the state, I think that that makes uh, you all eligible for standing as well. I think this entire state has standing in a lawsuit. I don't know against who because we are the taxpayers, we are the government. Um, we may not get a lot of money. We might get some, especially if there's documentation for uh, groups of individuals uh, who may have experienced more, more severe harm as a result. I bring you back to Louisville, Kentucky, where my story begins. We have a student assignment plan that has been historically structurally racist for the last 40 years and the protectors of it pretend like it's because it helps poor little black children get an opportunity to go to school outside of their neighborhood, but it's insulting because it always benefits white people more than it benefits the people of color that it's supposedly intended to serve. And every time it's time to change it, um, we manage to change it to help white people and not black people, even though we pretend it's the other way around and we're about to do it again. And there are some needed changes in the proposal, but it sincerely does a whole lot more for white people than it does for our people of color and our families in West Louisville who have been shortchanged for generations. Our students in a certain high minority population part of Louisville have been bused away from their homes without choice for decades. It doesn't go both ways, just out of the high minority, high poverty neighborhoods. Even if they want to attend a school close to home, they can't because there are no more. We closed them. There are some, but it's not really enough, and they're not getting they're not getting resourced to. And it's it's a city that judges you by where you went to high school. So a family that could get an opportunity to attend a school that doesn't sound like a West Louisville school, if their skin is black, they think long and hard about. Uh, keeping their kid close to a school that has a reputation because everyone then assumes when you say you went to Shawnee that it must be because you couldn't get in anywhere else and not because you actually chose it. So there's a lot of stereotyping that causes people to flock to some schools and stay away from others. And these are all uh, manufactured. These are all things that we created uh, through high stakes testing and uh, competition creates winners while well, it also creates losers and you know um, we're not we're not sharing the wealth we are not sharing the wealth and so um, we need to make reparations for the harm that was caused to our families in West Louisville for uh, decades those types of things can be measured and can be quantified and um, we need to start now so um, but the most urgent thing, well, that is pretty urgent because the student assignment plan is, is going to be up for vote and are probably in a couple of months in JCPS. And so people who have concerns about uh, it not going far enough because it doesn't, please contact your school board member and communicate your concerns um, because the plan doesn't go far enough. It doesn't do enough to flip the script. So if we've already acknowledged that the plan is structurally racist, which we have, our superintendent has been quoted saying that, good for him. I applaud him 
for letting those words come out of his mouth because it's not a lie. And I know he catches a lot of flag because every time we go to Frankfurt to fight for our black students, um, they turned up, they turned the screws even harder. Like it's unbelievable how much they hate Jefferson County simply because we have a high minority population. But um, that's what they're doing. They're turning the screws. And um, we now know that the plan is structurally racist. It's been acknowledged. So we have to move toward equity. We have to flip the script uh, because that's how we change and level the playing field. You don't just um, level one side. You have to backfill the other side, right? So uh, it's time to level the playing field. And um, the proposed plan is still not even equal, all right? It's clearly um, unequal the way it's been for the last number of decades, but the new proposed plan really just realigns everybody so that it makes it easier for the transportation department and uh, have some continuity for families so they're not having to have kids in different grades across town from each other. Um, so it, it's definitely better for everyone, but it doesn't have a perk for black families or West Louisville families, okay? Um, there is a dual resides component that allows students who live in West Louisville to have a school close to home. So that makes an attempt at making it equal. Um, but it still really isn't equal um, because our schools are still segregated and they're still going to face um, more barriers and more challenges and scrutiny. So, we're taking away some of the benefits that our West Louisville families may have received eventually without really giving them that much in exchange. And so it's still not even equal. So you got to move through equality to get to equity. We have to flip it. Now we have to do the work to try to keep our schools, um, well, our schools are, are already resegregated. So now we have to do the work to desegregate our schools. And one of those ways is to attract, use magnets to attract families into the West End, into West Louisville. And you can do that by offering programs and innovative uh, ideas, you know, like different bell schedules or themed curriculum you know, things like that. So there are ways to make schools that are in higher poverty, higher minority neighborhoods to attract families like mine to a school there, such as the aviation magnet that my son attended in West Louisville. And he's now a Marine pilot. So he graduated from the United States Naval Academy and is now a Marine pilot because um, he had this opportunity to attend a school out of his neighborhood. Everybody should have the same opportunities that my son had. Um, however, I feel that those who have the means, those of us who have the means, um, don't necessarily deserve to get everything for free. There's just too many loose edges and, um, 
our struggling schools really need every ounce of support they can get and perks to attract families that might have a choice. The families who have a choice should have perks to attract us to these schools because that's another way you're gonna increase diversity. And then I also suggested at the board meeting uh, the other night that they have dual resides for everyone. So in addition to the dual resides that they're adding for uh, our West Louisville families who will soon be able to attend a school close to home, I think they should have yesterday removed the application barrier so that anyone who lives in the West Louisville neighborhoods can apply to attend school close to home. But they, they Jim Crowed it and made it like this rule that attended for people who might want to transfer to a school outside of their neighborhood, they conveniently said, oh, well, you have to meet these barriers too, because principals and administrators figure out ways to skirt the rules. And these are the types of things that we need parents to have more SBDM power, not less, in order to I, you know, point out and elevate when they spot it. I saw so many PTA elections and SPDM elections that were rigged by school administrators. And that's only gonna get worse, although nobody's gonna really wanna serve on SPDMs anymore. So now we're gonna have less people involved, less people contributing to decisions, less people keeping an eye on things, and less people bringing money and, and uh, parental involvement and talent into the buildings. So the Kentucky General Assembly just really, really, really I can post this video um, as kind of a prologue to the pages that uh, will be uh, specific to the candidates that we are um, and the races that we are looking at that are primary races, May 17th, that we need. If you're not in the district of the candidates, that's okay. You can still donate to their campaign because remember, we're fighting Mitch's dark money. Um, we're fighting um, Alec and Koch brothers and tea parties and all this uh, dark money, but even in the Democratic races, and here's the sentence I said I was going to tell you that you're going to be like, oh, wow, why didn't you say something? Or even, I knew that, but I don't think it's ever like been diagrammed. And so this is what I'm, this is my promise to you is that I'm going to make it a visual. I'm going to, I'm going to put the pictures of each of the names that I name and click to pages that have like little resumes about them, relevant resumes, resumes, why it's relevant. And then um, show you how they connect to, we already know about the Koch brothers and the Republican side for the most part. Uh, you can tell who to vote against in, on the Republican side of things right? uh, by looking at uh, House Bill 9 was, in my opinion, the most egregious violation in the House. So uh, you can also look at the governor who overrode. That's the one I would look at for House Bill 9. Who overrode the governor's veto? So I have that posted on the Save Our Schools Kentucky Facebook page. House Bill 9. The ones who voted yes for House Bill 9 override the veto on April 13th, the day we had deadly tor or tornadoes. I don't think anyone was killed actually, but we had some tornadoes come through that night because Mother Nature was not pleased with the legislation that just passed. And a really freaky cloud appeared over um, just 
southeast of where I live. And um, it's the uh, day they cremated my father as well. So that day sticks in my mind and sticks in my craw because of the horrible, horrible, horrible things they did. Um, with so much malice and it was premeditated malice. I think when you work together like that as a team to lie and pass legislation that's going to harm and goes against what the people want so that you can please your master, please someone up the chain from you who I can't quite tell directly how they connect to Mitch McConnell, although it seems like it's just a couple of clicks away. Um, but, you know, we've also got people on the Democratic side of things who, I guess, felt like this was inevitable and Kentucky was a market that was ripe for it. So, you know, some socially liberal intellectuals uh, decided to move to Kentucky and uh, get in on the on the get in on the game of taking money away from taxpayers and trying to be like Bill Gates. Yeah, I want to be like Bill Gates. David Jones is like our Bill Gates. Yeah, that's who I'm talking about. David Jones Jr. Humana heir heir to the throne of Humana. Daddy just died just a couple years ago, maybe. Denny, I'm so sorry. My condolences. Really, my dad just died too. I just mentioned that. Um, I think you mean well, Dave. You took my call that day when I told you about what was going on at Shawnee and you did the right thing. So I, I think that, you know, as long as it's not going to cost you any money um, or you think you can figure out a way around it that won't hurt you publicly, I think you will do the right thing. I know you're well liked. I know you're popular in the wealthy people circles. I have a lot of wealthy people who don't talk to me because they don't want to hurt your feelings. A lot of wealthy friends or acquaintances who might support candidates for office if they knew what I knew. We voted you out, dude. We saw what you did to keep Donna Hargens in power. If you don't know what I mean, go watch the school board meeting the night that they passed the renewal of her contract. Lisa Wilner knows. Lisa Wilner knows she was one of the board members when he when he bamboozled her. She's now one of the one of our great state reps. She's doing a super job, super job. But she knows. I bet she would. Um, I bet she would stand right up here and. Not her head. I can't speak for Lisa, but I've talked to Lisa enough to know that she's a stand-up gal.
David Jones knew that if he did the standard two meeting, you know, first we review the contract, then we pass the contract, give the public, public a chance to weigh in that she might not make it. And they had worked too hard to get where they were by picking the people they wanted to run our district. They got here first. Who do we think we are? Ugh. Because the Koch brothers were right behind. There's a battle. It's David and Goliath. It's the real David and Goliath. Diane, looky here. Diane Ravitch. Diane Ravitch wrote a book about David versus Goliath in the public education fight. And in her book, David is the us, right? David is us and we're not winning yet. But in Louisville, Kentucky, David is David Jones. And David is the local liberal version of the Cokes. And Scala is Alec. How many of you knew that? Right, it's obvious, right? But there's two camps that are playing tug of war over our district, over our children, and over our tax dollars two camps and you know between the two of them I definitely favor David Jones you know he's just trying to pull it back home from the state horrible people and Alec and the Cokes oh my god between the two of them absolutely David Jones would be my pick but for how long because when you were in charge of our district, you were the chair and you had everybody in place and you got Jonathan Lowe in place, and you got Tom Hudson in place and we were ready to roll out your what? Red carpet? Did you want charters too? Why? Why? We don't want charters, okay? We want your help, we want your philanthropy, but we don't want charters. We welcome your donations, but they need to be equitable. Every time we tried to do something to fill a need in our community, suddenly Evolve 502 pops up and is doing it louder and with district support and Marty Polio's endorsement, and we're getting called names. Make that make sense. Every single organization that has popped up after us has been controlled by somebody with ties to somebody with ties to JCTA usually. And if it's not JCTA, it's Scala or Alec. And I'm not even sure they're not all working together. All right. I think they're at least aware of each other's plays and continue to respond in kind while our students continue to be the pawns in their games. So, May primary, May 17th, I'm gonna show you some people, in addition to Jonathan Lowe, house race 34. He has a fabulous opponent, Sarah Stalker. Uh, she is anti privatization public education and she has a track record to prove it and Jonathan on the other hand not so much in fact I found 
evidence of him enabling Hal Heiner and uh, I think grooming schools like Shawnee and Maupin to be uh, set up as charters so that when uh, Bevan became governor, it would make it easier to just hand them off to them and keep them out of our prized uh, magnet schools. So that's, that's what I think. Um, I'm probably gonna stop this video. The next things that I'm going to do are to show you other people that have ties to Scala and to David Jones's money. And when I say we, I'm referring to the Coalition for the People's Agenda Education Committee, PAC. Okay, right. And the last video I'm going to play for you is excerpts from the Louisville Forum that took place last month where uh, Congressman John Yarmouth was given an award for his service, but also interviewed by a USA Today columnist Philip Bailey, former uh, Courier Journal and all part of the Gannett Network. He interviews John Yarmouth and asks him about his endorsement for Morgan McGarvey over Attica Scott. So I want you to hear that five-minute video segment that I've cut out from that two-hour or so event uh, so that you can hear some of the rhetoric that you would expect coming out of a GOP lawmaker's mouth, gaslighting and manipulation. Uh, and excuses as to why they're not doing the progressive thing and instead are saving the seat for another moderate white man. Um, so watch, listen to that for yourself and recognize that he's not being, uh, he's being disingenuous with his rationale for endorsing Morgan over Attica. But also uh, he cites Brianna Taylor's mother endorsing him over Attica as one of the reasons why he decided not to endorse Attica. And I learned yesterday that Brianna Taylor's mother is not happy that John Yarmouth is telling people that she endorsed him. So she's upset about that article and he should be ashamed of himself for not speaking with her before he used it for uh, not only assuming uh, that that his her endorsement would pass to Morgan if he decided not to run himself, but also for perpetuating what sounds like could be um, an unsubstantiated fallacy. So he accuses Attica of lying to him when in fact it would seem that some of the things that they are doing in order to hold on to their power for the establishment Democratic Party um, kind of fits the same description. See, I guess, the, how that underscores the point of Louisville politics being a good old boy system that benefits particularly affluent white people. No, Do I, don't think, I don't think so at all. So, no, I don't think so, so at all. If, uh, if Nicole Yates had called me and, and said, I'm moving to the 3rd District, <laughs> from Indiana and I'm running, uh, I never would have done any of that. And it wasn't just that Attica decided that she lied to me and decided to, um, uh, to challenge me anyway. It was just that I wanted to make sure that there were quality candidates in the race, multi multiple quality candidates. 
and Morgan was one, was one who had expressed an, and over time, I knew he had, had expressed an interest in serving in that job at some point. At that point, Attica's already in the race, so there's no reason for me to talk to Attica. But that seemed like it aggravated you, though, that she jumped in. Didn't, didn't, I mean, it aggravated me that she lied to me, but it didn't aggravate me that she was in the race. I mean, that's reality. You know, we, we did a poll in August and um, that had me and Attica and uh, I think a few others. And, you know, I, I would have beaten Attica overwhelmingly, according to that poll, so it wasn't that, it was just that I wanted to, I didn't want to lose the seat. That was the other thing. And when, and I will tell you this, and you know, I probably, you know, this is anecdotal, but at, when Attica got in the race, announced, I can't tell you the number of people, including an awful lot of black Louisvillians, who said to me, don't worry about a thing, we've got your back. We're never going to be for her. And so I'm starting to think, well, I don't want, I want to make sure that if I step down, that we don't lose the seat. So I was looking for other candidates. So you're legitimately concerned that if Attica Scott were the nominee, that we would lose that the she seat. Would lose. Is there anything that actually backs that up? I mean, because Louisville's an overwhelmingly Democratic district. I mean, you're winning by 20, 30 points. And yes, right. I mean, Representative Scott's viewpoints are slightly to the left of yours, but she's not, not like, no. she's not like further so I'm, left than you. So what's no, the, what's I've, the fear I've always of her? Been, I've always been a fan of Atticus. All right, so what's the I fear of her being the nominee? The fear was that, first of all, the day after Attica Scott announced she was challenging me, Brianna Taylor's mother endorsed me. Mm-hmm. That brought me, that gave me a lot of concern. And... So I'm saying, okay, if the black community's not going to be behind Attica, uh, you know, let's see who's. To be honest, I thought there would be seven or eight candidates in the race. I thought Aaron might get in the race. Uh, so uh, obviously, if Aaron had gotten in the race, I would have endorsed him. So, but you know, if Kevin Cosby had gotten in the race, I would have. I probably would have endorsed him. This has nothing to do with it. I think I would love to see. Uh, but the optics, though. I mean, the, I mean, you've never endorsed in primaries that I can recall. No, you, you, I, you're I, shy about doing that. I've endorsed I've, in this one. I've endorsed in presidential primaries, not in not in local office. But it occurred to me, at at this year, after 15 years, and with only two candidates in the race, that I have a perspective on on the job mm-hmm. as to who would do the best job, and. I decided that I probably had a responsibility. But, to but what tell do people. you say to challenge you here, Congressman? What do yeah. you say to those who make the point of? It seems as if you're saying, because Attica's point of her race, a lot of it is, you know, we need diverse representation in Washington. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's the so that's, that's and that's well, so on, that's kind of reverse but, racism. But, 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 but here's my here's my question though. Yeah. It seems as if you and Mr. McGarvey, Senator McGarvey, excuse me, conspired to keep this African-American woman out of office. What do you say to people who, say, who make that accusation? She, she was in the race. She had, she had a four or five month head start over, uh, over Morgan. And again, uh, if I got out of the race, she had this, all, all, this whole head start. And I think the fact that, you know, and again, money's not always their greatest indicator, but, and I won't talk about how much Morgan's raised, but she's raised $80,000 up to this point. In a He's period. raised about $800,000, about yeah, 10 times as yeah, much. Yeah, exactly. But, but the fact that she has been unable to raise very much money over that same period of time, long having a head start on Morgan when Morgan wasn't even in the race, 
that indicates to me that she's probably not the strongest candidate. Because that, those optics really matter on Democratic politics more so than I know, and you know, and Carla Wallace wrote a, wrote a letter to the editor, and, and Carla's been a supporter of mine, and I've been a supporter of most of Carla's causes as well. And she's, she's critical of that for the same point. But to me, that she was, it was almost like she thought that Attica was entitled to the seat. And that, um, you know, I would reject for anyone. You've been listening to Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS on Forward Radio 106.5 FM. Today I played for you excerpts from Louisville Forum, which took place last month, and some of the comments John Yarmouth made. That uh, was the most recent audio clip. And also just a couple of live streams that I made on my alternative Facebook account uh, under the name Joe, J-O-E Smedley, S-M-E-D-L-E-Y. Please watch the video and um, if you watch it all the way through, you can put a smiley face with sunglasses in the comments to let me know that you watched it. And we are canvassing May 10th through 16th. If you are interested in joining our bipartisan nonpartisan canvassing efforts, please email us at moderator at dearjcps.com and also join us for a picnic on election day. The time and place is yet to be determined, but after you vote, come and be part of community with us. Let's all get together, maybe down at uh, Maybe we all meet at Injustice Square Park around noon or one and make sure everybody that shows up has voted. And if not, let's get people to the polls and be sure to vote in the primary on May 17th. Polls are open from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. and there is currently early voting taking place. So if you need, if you meet the qualifications for early voting, be sure to check with the county clerk's office. Thank you for listening. The proceeding is part of WFMP's public affairs educational programming. The views expressed are those of the speakers and not the station. If you would like to share your views, you may email us at wfmp.louisville at gmail.com.